0: Fafran, it's great to see you again. I just want to start by getting you to talk a little bit about your sort of background, your key area of expertise, because I always see you at the COPS running around and occasionally we chat and stuff. So can you just start with this little brief overview of what you're always running around doing at the COPS and (laughs) what you're doing now?
1: Hi, hi, Nick. It's, It's nice to see you, you know, for a very long time my um, area of uh, work that usually you see in cop it's more it's more technical i would say that where i you know try to input the negotiation process of the conference at the same time my area is also to you know bring young people and make the young people's voice heard more and more because i feel you know myself coming from global south you know from sri lanka it's been very sad that there's less of a representation at a global platform where we're talking about climate action and climate agenda and then we are affected, you know, for example, if you take my country, we are an island country. And, you know, it's it's a lot of impact of, of due to climate change. So much of impacting the agriculture, the the livelihood of people and economy of the people. So, so much of integrated process that's really uh, impacted. And what I really focus is that on how to, you know, holistically approach all of these three problems and to find solutions. And that's very key important. When you are in the negotiation, you know, I I help a lot of other governments as well to see how the agendas of each, when they were designing the rule book for the Paris Agreement, the most important thing was to, you know, have proper rules set to achieve the Paris Agreement. And that was happening in COP24. And still there are some unfinished agenda items that has to be finished by uh, COP26. But more or less, it's, it's more on hearing the voices of young people and then also bringing expertise on system thinking, research, and bring critical data that is most important for, for the negotiators and also for the whole process of human climate change for them to you know, go in the right direction towards okay. achieving the price of payment.
0: And there's been quite a bit of success in in terms of the engagement, especially with the youth movement and focusing on the, the issue of climate justice with the Global South. The issue is up there. I mean, it's, it's one of the main issues now. But now we need the action. And one of the things you've co-authored, a new policy study that looks at the next decade. So can you talk a little bit about this report what's in it what, what does it achieve
1: so uh, one of the things that we um, really wanted to see I, I mean as you know just to you know recap of what is global climate action is that during uh, the development of the paris agreement they they were really uh, focused on how to engage non-party stakeholders because you know at a process it's more you know just Governments, you know, dealing with it, but Paris Agreement cannot be achieved alone. You know, we need support of the non-party stakeholders that you know, young people, farmers, there's a lot of local government. For example, they talk about women and gender. So all of these working groups and, you know, working organizations involving them. So Global Climate Action Agenda under the Paris Agreement creates a pathway for the non-party stakeholders to engage directly with the negotiators. So that's the most key element of the process. So uh, during the phase after the Paris Agreement, they had a goal saying that global climate agenda for 2020. So pre-2020 goals, because when the Paris Agreement was um, launched, everyone ex- was expecting that Paris Agreement would become into force by 2020. They didn't expect that to happen in 2016 because it happened in 2016 earlier. So as then the agreement became into force, there was a gap for four years what they would do. But that's the reason they had this pre-2020 goals and to involve governments, to involve non-party stakeholders to see how they can really engage them because one of the key areas was that national determined contribution, which is what drives the Paris Agreement at local, national level in each country. End of the day, that's what it's going to achieve the Paris Agreement and achieve net zero by 2050. A lo- lot of countries are focusing. And one of the things that we emphasize is that we have the this t- 10 year of, of timeline to see how we can constructively engage. Because post 2020 was was little bit with the pandemic, everything came into a, a total 360 turn in, in a lot of areas. So, what it really emphasizes is that we got 10 years and we really need to set the face and do into action because we lost two years or three years, I would say, with the pandemic. So, the policy more talk about this is how we can seize the opportunity, expand the post 2020 global climate action agenda. According to the design and principle, and and you know have collaborative comprehension. So where you can see UNF at the UNFDC context at the same time, you know engaging non-party stakeholders in all levels, and and then that's why the high-level champions are there in the UNFDC process, creating the pathway to engage all of these groups, which is more important.
0: you, know, you said that the agreement was. So pretty much signed off ahead of schedule. Now we're behind schedule. And it seems like recently policymakers are starting to say, yeah, 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 we've got to do this. And the public are kind of... Some people in the public are saying, yeah, you know, we're really up for this. And other people are just sort of like, yeah, I'm up for it, but I'm still going to go on my 20 holidays a year and and fly around. (laughs) You know, know, there's kind of a relationship between the public and the policymakers that sort of lacks the motivation that matches the task because the size of the global climate challenge is absolutely enormous. And the radical emissions reductions we need go right through how we live our lives. What are your thoughts on the overall speed of the human juggernaut getting to where we need to go, especially with that higher emitting sectors? And-
1: I would say is that the globalization happened post uh, the world War and then we started to emit a lot and I think right now in the present situation it's, it's more or uh, how you say equity, balance of wealth in, in, in the, the planet, you know. Because we see right now, you get the developed countries, we get the developing countries, and the least developed countries. So, we are just this, these this are the three categorized. So, developed countries have already pumped up the fuel, the whole uh, atmosphere is full of uh, the CO2. And then that's what you can see the rise of temperature. And right now, what we see is that, as myself coming from a developing country, is that you try to push a developing country or a least developed country, hey, look, you need to reduce the emission. But I think that's where the question comes in. Then goes that's trickle down to people. End of the day, people drive the, the nations. People's thoughts are whether do we really want to have this. I think what I see is that if you if you take climate action and the whole climate agenda, there's two sectors I would say: individual action and there's collaborative action. So individual actions is like individually what people can take that's that has really raised the bar in the past two three years with the strikers movement with all the young people making awareness i think a lot of people really you know got a broader sense of what is really happening and they need to take a step and that's that percentage is really increasing like you know people talk about climate change is something really was not there 10 years ago people were not talking and then we also had social media right now people are more aware of what's happening. On the other side, I think again it comes into okay. If you want to do the transition, what's the incentives you provide? What's the what is the uh, trade off that you provide for the countries and the companies if you if they want them to swipe into the transition, as you asked, transition, then you lose jobs. For example, how is going to be new green jobs? Or when the transition happens, they don't lose the job. At the same time, we have the workers mainly in all of the sectors have their job secured that's going to be a bigger big problem when we do the transition towards a climate neutral world
0: you talked about developed countries developed countries are really the source of emissions especially historical emissions that got us to where we are problem wise at the moment and as we move through it and we talk about this equity issue of making sure that the remaining carbon budgets are distributed fairly i mean it's easy to say, but it's difficult to do, because again, you're asking people to, to say, okay, we're going to emit less, and okay, well, what does that look like? And then uh, suddenly it's not very attractive. But unfortunately, we've got to find a way to do that. And do you think that in some ways, as we try and envision what the future looks like, we've got to make it more about opportunity, especially for the developing and the least developing nations. You create a natural sense of equity. If we can actually get through the, the emissions restrictions really
1: yeah i think it's i mean i can i can start with let's for example let's look at the vaccine rollout for covid how it's it's been really done right now it says like there's no equitable share there's a lot of least developing countries, a lot of countries are very getting hard to vaccine if you look at the developed countries so most of the developed countries are like they want to save their people first that's that shows that okay that's that's the um that's the real face sometimes you see you know what 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 you couldn't see 20 years ago 20, 30 years ago when they were going in interest industrialization was happening you know when there was emitting all they were focusing on their development their process and that gap i think people have to start to realize covid i mean i'm trying to relate to covid because covid is a simple example what could be the repercussions of if we really don't take climate action into the rightful um, way, because, for example, the permafrost is melting, and you can see a lot of diseases are coming out of it, which was like millions and millions of years ago. We haven't even have a cure for it. So that's a simple a warning for people to say, "Hey, look, there's no developing countries, there's no least developed countries, or developed countries, you know, working on silos. They have to come together, and the process that the that they create." Within the system has to help these countries really push move forward. You know, you at the same time, you can't just say a developed country you know, hey, you just cut down all your fossil fuel. They can't do it because they are de- the economy is depending on that. At the same time, you can't say it for a developing country or least developed country because I myself wouldn't go to my country and say, hey, you should stop fossil fuel. My country will die because you won't have electricity, people will die. The so end of the day, are you saving the people or the planet? then it will be the people. I mean, if any, any institution, if you take, it's going to be the focus on their uh, people because how, that's how the institutions run. I think the the line between the disparity could come closer if we really think in, in a positive way that how COVID has impacted and how everyone came together towards finding a solution. And for humanity in this 21st century, COVID is a perfect example to tackle a lot of global issues, and to see an example, hey, look, this is what will happen if we don't work together for climate action, or if we take to end poverty. So all of that translates that that connects to the the global safety of the people. Actually, so I think that's the most important thing that I am seeing. I'm I'm more positive on the direction. At the same time, this is a great opportunity we are in a recovery process a lot of economy has been hit it's a good opportunity for developed countries because they they, they can revamp their economy because right now it's it's really going down in most of the countries and they're trying to rebuild so in rebuilding that process if they can integrate more climate friendly agendas that could help towards reducing their emission at the same time invest on helping developing countries and least developing countries to the global platform then you can really narrow down the line
0: how do you find when we look at these sort of intergovernmental frameworks we really are relying on cooperation and trust between nations but also the nations who are always sort of the usual suspects at climate conferences as the you know russia saudi arabia australia so you know this But it's because their GDP is based on fossil fuels. And then you take a a block like the EU, who's buying a lot of fossil fuels from these countries. So there's a kind of conflict of interest, which is very hard to break through. Is there a way forward? Because again, we are the consumers of those fossil products. I am, you know, everyone around this town is... Mm -hmm. How do we get around that corner? Is that why we've got a 30-year 30, 30 window when really we need a 10-year window? It's because really we we are nowhere near achieving the task, we, but we've got to start now. I'm just trying to break down that issue of yeah. the usual suspects of the cops who are always painted as the bad guys, but when you look at it from their perspective, it's their GDP. you know. Too.
1: I think you, you correctly. I would say is that, like I said, started before, like I said, there's two sectors, right? Individual action that's where consumer based action happens. Like for example, if you are, uh, let's say if you're living in in this countries that you mentioned is that, okay, can I use electric cars so that that reduces the emission? When there's a less demand for fossil fuel, there will be a high demand for electric driven energy. So that the de- less demand can be created by us because we are the consumers end of the day because there's no nation or no, no private sector can, Survive without public because public are the buyers end of the in any other in any forms. I think in the past two three years with the strike and everything, it's climate strikers and off of future and all of those elements has really amplified. And let me give an example. If you have a supermarket, let's say let's say the community around there just goes and buys only products that's more environmentally friendly made. And eventually that owner or any, any of the private corporate corporates should translate all their products more eco-friendly. So that's consumer have the power to change more, I would say. And then the demand goes down for products that's really hurting the planet. And then the demand for, for more climate-friendly products could escalate. And that's where the transition could really happen. And for example, if you correctly said, a lot of EU countries, you know, a lot of countries are getting fossil fuels from those countries to pump up the electricity and all of their energy needs. But I would say is that this tenure is very critical. If we can set the bar, and I think public is more aware, I would say 40 to 50% of the world population are really aware of climate crisis right now and individually can, could take the action and with the gradual shift from the hit pandemic economy when the recovery process happens if consumers like us also think hey look i have to go and climate neutral in all my face this is a revamp of development that we are, we are going through process and then that's where i think the transition starts and the transition is where by 2030 we have to be set, ready, and then the mission goes because that 20-year framework is where the machine starts working, and this is the 10-year that we all need to work together to put the infrastructure, to create the processes, to bring in people, to have open processes, and to create incentives to have funding opportunities available. For example, even in the the Green Climate Fund, which is one of the funds that's going to really help the paris agreement is that just a half a billion dollars or like billion dollars is just only cashed out half only like 500 or 600 million has been really cashed out so you have 100 million commitments but you have only 500 million cashed out as cash so that's that's really sad to see. You know, you have these commitments and everything, but still, yeah, they, those are not translated into a real action. Of, okay, uh, you
0: touched on something there, which kind of ties into my last question, because as you mentioned, fifty percent of percent of people now are, are really aware of the problem globally, and we're beginning an unprecedented task of reduction of carbon emissions to zero that's the aim whether it's net zero zero or whatever what is your biggest concern because you're quite positive about this whole thing what's your biggest worry or concern about this transition process
1: well i think the biggest concern i would say is that we are looking at the immediate safety of the people and we should not lose the safety of the planet and the people for the future and right now, my, my concern is that we're always focusing, everyone is focusing today. We're not thinking about tomorrow or day after and what's going to happen. That's where it, it really um, relies on how there is consistency of what we do. Just to give an example, during the lockdown, it was proven that emission could really be reduced. That was a perfect example for the three months of no flying, and everything was translated into virtual. You, you don't need to meet physically. You don't have to fly from nine hours or 10 hours to do a meeting. The world got shrinked more and more. And that has created a lot of opportunities. And that's where my concern is that the shrinking world, you know, human culture are really different compared to other creatures on the planet. Now, what I say is that I hope we don't go back to the same thing because some people, I hear a lot of people saying, Oh, we've been stuck in the home like for two years. I want to get out. We just want to fly. We want to go meet other people. Yes, that's understandable. But I think if that's the most critical point here, the mentality of the people after the pandemic, it's going to really concerns me because that's where we're going to rely on how we can move forward. At the same time, we are hearing a lot of climate action, like, for example, for the past one year, a lot of of seminars, a lot of events and everything, a lot of things are happening but all of them are in papers i think translating into action is going to be really hard that's going to be a biggest issue i would say is because all the countries are going to focus just rebuilding the economy everybody's going to focus on rebuilding the economy nobody wants to have just people die of poverty so really there is
0: a, a need to kind of align that prosperity for people with prosperity for the earth basically which which we live
1: on. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's one thing I would say is that the world needs to know that if there is another health crisis due to climate change, like what are the impacts of climate change? I don't know. Humanity could be able to survive it, but then after the survival, it's, it's going to be really hard. So the recovery process should be more greener, should be more sustainable, more inclusive and more equitable so that we have a fair share of achieving the climate goals of climate neutrality by 2050
0: well look that's a good place to end so safran thank you very much for your time I look forward to virtually or physically seeing you a cop somewhere
1: <laughs> in the future thank you uh, nick for for the opportunity and, and i look forward to see how we can really work together as well in a lot of other areas of engagement